Hello, and welcome to Season 9, Episode 2 of Black Bass Sports, the podcast, where athletes, coaches, and fans come to share their stories. As usual, I'm your host, Josh, and tonight I am I'm blessed to be joined by my guest tonight. This is, this is going to blow your mind once we get going. I'm joined by Emma Tiedemann. Got it right. Yes. The new Portland Sea Dogs announcer. She took over for the, in my opinion, great Mike Antonella. So we're going to get to know her. Emma, how you doing tonight? I'm doing great. Thanks for, thanks for joining me tonight. Of course. Yeah. So we're going to get to know a little bit more about you in a moment. But first, we're going to let the listeners know what we're going to talk about today. Emma's going to give us her story, of course. We're going to break down like how she got involved in baseball, how that led to announcing, like how she get to Portland from Dallas, Fort Worth, Texas. We'll talk about that as well. Um, and we're going to. I'm going to put her on the hot seat a little bit. I'm going to get her to, to give us some of her best and most memorable call situations. And we'll talk about, as usual, when I have a baseball guest on, we'll talk about the lack of, which we both agree, right? It's a pro- improving um, diversity in baseball. So with that being said, Emma, I'm going to shut up. Let the <laughs> listeners know your story. Where are you from? So I grew up in Dallas, Texas, um, and that's where my broadcasting career started. Uh, when I was 15 with my grandfather um, at a Division three college in Richardson, Texas, and I just fell in love with baseball, or fell in love with broadcasting more specific. Uh, I started out with women's basketball, um, and you know, that university luckily allowed a 15-year-old kid to <laughs> go into men's Shout basketball. Out, right? Yeah. right, like, you know, I was just, a lanky kid usually coming over from basketball practice for my high school. And the, you know, they let me do whatever sport I wanted, volleyball. Um, and I just knew that's, it was so fun. Why would I want to do anything else with my life? So, um, I grew up in Dallas and then moved to Columbia, Missouri and went to the university of Missouri nice. for college. Yeah. Shout out to the Mizzou Tigers. Heck yeah. yeah. Up on the up and ups football wise and basketball actually. All right. So back up, we can't bury this lead. Cause now I know. Um, you are not, okay. I'm not going to say you're not a Dallas Cowboy fan. You are a fan. You're just not a fan of Jerry Jones. That is correct. All right. So explain that, break that down before we go any further. I just, um, disagree maybe with his management style. Okay. Um, you know, just his management style is a little too controlling for me, for me and not letting his coaches, kind of have free reign over their field, if you will. Um, so, I, you know, it, we just would clash management-wise. <laughs> and I think that if he was removed from the equation, the Cowboys might have a little more success. Jerry Jones hears this podcast, because I like to think he listens. Of course. Um, and we'll speak to existence. Jerry Jones calls you and says, hey, Emma, it's time for you to come home. It's time for you to come home and be the Dallas football announcer, what do you do? Oof. You got, I mean, you got to go home. I know. And it, it would actually come home. full circle because my grandfather was the Cowboys announcer as well. Look at up. So, the, man, I mean, the, I'd have to do it. The Cowboys make like every show on earth. You could be on a cooking show and somebody's going to talk about the Cowboys. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> You'd be literally 
anywhere in the world and they would right. know about the Cowboys. Oh, man. So you make it to the University of Missouri. Take us from there. Um, well, at Mizzou, I was able to actually call football. Um, and so at that time, it was really, you know, for a sports fan that is also a college student, it was a really cool time to be at Mizzou because they were transitioning from the Big 12 to the SEC. Nice. So I had a year of Big 12, which is what I grew up with in Texas. Um, I actually was a Texas Tech fan. And so Big 12, I mean, that's Big 12 country. So right. Uh, we moved to the SEC, and the football team, surprisingly, were SEC East champions, um, you know, and went to the championship. And I'm not going to go able- there. I'm not going to, because I'm an LSU guy. Okay, they did win the SEC East that year. SEC East was kind of rebuilding. South Carolina was just falling off. Like, Georgia hadn't really became who they were. Florida was different vandy but no they had a great season they had a really good football team i'm not taking i'm not taking anything from them i, I, I mean I if you're know. an lsu fan i just think let us have those two years oh no i'm not taking not them. right you're correct hey we might not have them again after this year so <laughs> we were honestly we were just everyone was kind of confused of why mizzou was that good and shocked that we made it to the championship but honestly, all the Mizzou fans and students and everybody were just like, you know what? Let us have these moments because yeah, no, they're, they're going away pretty fast. I imagine. <laughs> what was campus like during that time? It was Just awesome. take us was- back. Take us back. It's a nice spring day on the yard uh, and football teams winning. People thought you couldn't. <laughs> <laughs> like, I mean, what's the What's the vibe? Just honestly, just happiness. <laughs> um, you know, you would bounce around at different tailgates and stuff. Oh, and I, I imagine. Was in a good mood. I, I, I remember imagine. like blue skies and perfect fall weather. Yeah. I mean, it was just a perfect time. But I mean, I did also have to work a few of those games. <laughs> I called the Texas A&M game uh, with Johnny Manziel when A&M lost in Columbia and Mizzou clinched that title. Um, so it Crazy was really night. cool. I mean, crazy yep. night that was a crazy night for the sec for college football it was just a crazy night so i couldn't imagine it was insane yeah, so i, I mean yeah I, how could you not love Colin sports in that kind of atmosphere yeah no it's <laughs> yeah that that's not let me ask you this you said tailgating did the tailgating improve because people like to think sec tailgating is un- yeah oh it's unrivaled right you can mm-hmm. Filet mignon or whatever. Um, did Mizzou's tailgating game have to step up from the Big 12 to the SEC? I don't think it had to, but okay. it definitely did. Okay, it got um, better. You ha- I yeah, mean, yeah, you didn't have to. You had those people tailgating. Of course, yeah, but. I remember people giving us weird looks because we were wearing, like, T-shirts and stuff to the games, and we weren't – and I don't dress up in the first place. I'm not going to dress up for a football game. <laughs> but, like, people That's were the like, SEC. Oh. That's the I SEC. I know. They're, they're like, oh, they don't dress up. They're wearing T-shirts. I was like, this is my most comfortable wear. Yeah, like, yeah. I'm not going to dress up to stand outside for four hours. Like, pay me to do it, and I'll do it. But What was one of the most memorable kind of moments you were fortunate enough to call there while at Mizzou? Um, the Cotton Bowl. Yeah. Uh, you know, that, that was for the broadcasting side. That was definitely my most memorable, um, call. Just the whole experience of going to quote unquote Jerry world. Right. Um, and being able to kind of see what that would look like as a professional and what that next step for me would look like being just a college student getting to call this huge game that turned out to be a fantastic 
competition between Missouri and Oklahoma State. Um, it was just surreal, just the whole experience of it all. Yeah. When you first walked into Jerry World, what did you think? It was beautiful. Right. You got I mean, I mean you that got building me. is incredible. It's magnificent. And it's just different. It it's different. Yeah. The TV is probably worth more than some stadiums, yeah. if, if we honest. So you wrap up at Mizzou. Where do you land after that? Um, well, I between my junior and senior year, um, I was realizing that I wanted to do uh, play-by-play year-round and was hoping to land with a network or university. But to do that, base, I needed to kind of increase my baseball reps and get better at baseball play-by-play. So I ended up in Palmer, Alaska, just Palmer, outside of Anchorage. Alaska. Palmer, Alaska. <laughs> Tiny town in the Matanuska Valley. Um, which took me almost the entire season to learn. <laughs> right. Listen, some people don't even know what Anchorage is on the map. That's true. So let alone Palmer or I'm not even going to just try to pronounce it. I don't want to, I don't want to yeah. disrespect anybody up that way, but <laughs> yeah, Palmer is, if you actually do know where Anchorage is on a map, it is to the West of it, I believe yeah. by about 30, 45 minutes. Yeah. Um, and it's just at the foot of quite a few mountains. Um, I, I will never forget flying in for the first time and it was about 1030 at night. It was sunny because the sun never sets and just flying over the mountain ranges thinking, Oh my God, what have I done <laughs> going to this place and meeting strangers and broadcasting baseball? So <laughs> you're like, Oh my God, I'm in Palmer, Alaska baseball. <laughs> no, who thinks baseball in, for Palmer? In Alaska, first of all, let alone Palmer, Alaska. So we're going to take our first break. When we come back, we're going to continue this journey from Palmer, Alaska to Portland, Maine. All right, we're going to have some more stops in between, but we'll be right back. Bye. And we're back. Black Bass Sports, the podcast. I am fortunately, I'm joined by Emma Tiedemann. Boom. Got it. We're going to get into this. You have a nickname. That's that's really kind of funny, I think. Dinger. Oh, yeah. We'll 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 get into <laughs> we'll we'll dig deeper into that. So very very well research show. So before we went to break, you had just I mean, you hadn't discovered, I'm not going to clown Alaska. You hadn't just discovered that there was baseball in Alaska, but you just landed in Alaska. It's time for baseball. Take us, take us through that. <laughs> like unpack that for us. Yeah, it, it was a shock to the system to say the least. Um, I landed at 11 o'clock. It was still sunny. I made it to my host family's house, um, which was a little ways out of town and just taking in that amount of nature because there's not a lot as yeah. you know it's not right. like there's suburbs and subdivisions and tons of houses around it we were in a forest <laughs> <laughs> um so it took a little while to kind of get used to that and the blackout curtains and everything um but the gm and his wife ran the team the two nicest people i could have awesome. ever met awesome. and so their enthusiasm for it all just made everything very exciting and once the players started to arrive um, they would host us all at their house and 
so we got to know the players and um and then the game started and you know it everything happens all the time so fast that you don't really get to kind of take a breather right. with baseball right. um and i just loved it you yeah. know the travel um again traveling in alaska is gorgeous so when we would drive up to fairbanks and stuff you just sit and look out the bus and, and like just wonder. <gasps> right yeah right. it's like oh my god look at that mountain right. you know it, it's just beautiful um and our baseball was phenomenal um we ended up with quite a few guys that well, one, Nick Senzel with the Cincinnati Reds, he was on our team. Mm-hmm. A couple others that will probably make their debuts that, um, in 2021, 2022. Nice. Um, we lost in the championship series. I mean, the team was just stacked. Yeah, yeah. So it was great baseball to call on right. top of a great place to live. I mean, it was perfect. You can't beat it. After your time in Alaska, what happens next? <laughs> well, I... Um, actually contacted a GM that unfortunately did not offer me a job mm-hmm. um, in that season that I went to Alaska. So I hit him back up and I said, hey, I've got an extra. Persistence. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I mean, I said, here's my updated tape. Here's my updated resume. Do you have an opening for next season? And he did. And I had a job by October and started in Medford, Oregon, which is in Southern Oregon, mm-hmm. um, and spent two years uh, 2015 and 16 in Medford, Oregon, uh, with another summer collegiate team. Yeah, and Met- Medford's another visually beautiful place. It is yeah, another valley. So another valley. <laughs> <laughs> another valley. So, yeah. for the sake of time, we're gonna fast forward. Take us to the to the day you get the call from the Portland Sea Dogs. Uh, well, actually, they offered it to me here. Yep. Um, but. The original call in and, and the whole interview process was kind of surreal because yeah. I was happy in Lexington. Um, but, you know, the Portland job, just this organization is so fantastic. No one can pass up this opportunity to at least apply. Um, and so they flew me up here and I was offered the job in Portland and I accepted. Yeah. I can't, couldn't say no to it. Yeah. It had to be tough leaving Lexington behind. It was. Yeah. Lexington was a phenomenal ball club during your time there. What was kind of, what was one of the best calls you had there in Lexington during your time? Uh, Hands down, the 2019 (laughs) championship series winner. Right. Yeah. Which you Take us back to that. Take (laughs) us back to that. Take us back to, see how I did that? See how I circled around? All right. So. For the listeners, she has a nickname named, you know, it's it's Dinger for baseball literate folks. That means going yard, home run. Yeah. All right. So we're gonna we're gonna kill two birds with one stone right here. Right. That was kind of corny, but take us through the nickname, take us through the call, take us through the night. It had to be just crazy. It it was insane. Yeah. Um, you know, it it was one of those things for minor league baseball, playoffs are tough. Because usually you lose your best players by the end of the season. Yeah, because they're getting a call up. Yeah, exactly, yeah, and that's exactly what happened to us. Uh, we lost some of our best pitchers. Mm-hmm. And who uh, got? I don't mean to interrupt you. Who you remember? Who got called up that season? Uh, well, Chris Bubich moved up a level. Austin Cox moved up a level. Okay. Um, Bubich actually made his debut, major league debut, in twenty twenty. <laughs> um, you know, yeah. <laughs> no figure. You're right. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> um, so those. And they are 
some of the top prospects in the royal system. So they, of course, were promoted, and uh, and so it was tough. You know, looking at the stats, yeah. it was it was going to be a tough series. So mm. um, we go in to the final game, and from an organizational standpoint, behind the scenes, we that was on a Friday night. Saturday, UK played, and you no one in the state of Kentucky can go up against the Wildcats. Yeah, no. Of course We weren't going to have fans. Yeah, it was not. just going to be a rough Saturday. So staff-wise, we were hoping to well, that, that, that Time out. That's great to know organizationally you you guys knew that. You know, you yeah, folks knew yeah. that. Like, Kentucky, we just can't compete. No. Yeah, okay. So the wild, It's a cult. Yeah. You know? It's a cult. You can't <laughs> compete with cults, you know? <laughs> so go ahead. So, so it, it, there was a lot of kind of emotions going into it. And so in that final game uh, – that's right. So in the final game, 10 minutes before first pitch, uh, the Hickory PR person comes over to me and she says that they're scratching their starter. He pulled his back uh, in warmups. So they're having a spot starter. And so that happens. We're like, oh, you know, we have a chance. Yeah. And the spot starter shoved. I mean, it was tied 1-1 going into the ninth inning. And so it was just one of those absolute battles on the mound. Mm-hmm. And it was it was beautiful. You know, that's one of my favorite things about baseball is is that kind of pitcher's duel. Right. And so we go into the 10th inning and then the 11th and then the 12th. And it just... Just no grinding on, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And so at that point, we get into the 13th and I ran the social media for the team. So I was on social media looking at stuff. And there were accounts like Cespedes Barbecue who were tuning in and, you know, big accounts that right. were watching this game because it was going down on the wire. And I put two and two together. It was Friday the 13th, and we we're going into the 13th inning. So bottom of the 13th, I'm starting to, like, get excited. Yeah. Uh, right. <laughs> bottom of the 13th, we have Reed Rollman step to the plate who uh, there's a runner on second because of the, the uh, rules of minor league baseball and extras. Reed Rollman steps up to the plate. His last at-bat, he popped up a bunt for an out. So he had a rough at-bat. Steps in and hits a quote-unquote dinger to right field. And the Legends win 3-1, to one, which is another 1-3 on Friday the 13th, yeah. in the bottom of the 13th yeah. inning for a championship, for the third championship for the Legends. Just just nuts. Insane. Yeah, just, just absolutely just insane. Nuts. Just yeah, that actually killed three birds with one stone because that was another question. What was the most memorable call? Unless I'm wrong. Oh, that, it's, that's definitely it. Yeah, I was about to say. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Woo. That, yeah, yeah. That's, a, that's a good one. On a Friday the 13th. Weird, though. I mean, that's Weird. baseball. That that's is baseball. nuts. That is so yeah. nuts. And to, to have a pitcher duel that late – I don't know. That's just that's good time and that's baseball, right? Like you got to have good time in in baseball. Yeah. And that's that's pretty good. Uh that's pretty good timing. I wanted to to ask you this. Who's who's kind of some of the mentors and and announcers that you've looked up to, who've helped pave the way maybe, who you kind of are still in contact with? Who are some of those folks? Uh I mean, definitely my grandfather. Um, who got me into this initially. Um, he's 94, um, actually just got his COVID vaccine today, so yay. Shout out. Um, yeah. 94, and he still listens to every broadcast uh, that I do and nice. sends me critiques nice. via text, email, or voice. 
<laughs> he he literally learned how to text. Awesome. Um, so definitely him. Um, I mean, to have someone like that to give me instant feedback is very special in this business. Um, and then also Eric Nadell, uh, the voice of the Texas Rangers, has been phenomenal. Um, I mean, I've known him for years now, and he will put me in contact with anyone. He, you know, kind of fights for for me and for other female broadcasters and stuff. And to no, have his so support still. is tremendous. Exactly. But trailblazer-wise, I mean, Susan Waldman of the Yankees, um, you know, she's been with John Sterling for, for many years now and does a great job, has an incredible memory um, and a great rapport with the Yankees, even though she grew up a Red Sox fan. Um, she's fantastic, and I've I've known her for a couple of years now too. Nice. When, I, so when you when you think baseball, you think it's a traditionally male sport, and that's starting to change, right? We talked mm-hmm. about this pre-recording. Talk about some of maybe not the instances, but have you had to deal with type of any? intimidation any type of awkwardness or has the game been welcoming to you um i, I and, and it's not you don't have to do, you know you don't have to delve down into deep situations but yeah, i think no. a, i think a lot of listeners who may be women and who enjoy the game of baseball I, this is a question i think they would like to 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 hear yeah for sure i think that it has, in the short time that I've been in baseball, it has changed significantly for the better. Um, I will say that my hardest time in baseball was when I was actually out of baseball, just trying to break in for the first time. Right. Um, that's when I had my instances of just like blatant <laughs> sexism. Yeah, no like so obvious that, you know, someone said to me, my club would never hire a female broadcaster. Yeah. It's like, I could Come probably on, sue someone for right? that. Yeah. Like, yeah, that like, was kind of like, open. That's illegal. <laughs> Um, but after that, and once I got my job with the St. Paul Saints and then Lexington, ever since then, I'm not going to say it's been smooth sailing. Right. Um, but you know, it, it you feel was, like it's been easier because of the foot in the door. Definitely. Yeah, and it, you totally know, with Lexington, with Lexington, I did everything. Um, and so when Portland became open and, uh, you know, I was able to say, here's my broadcast date, but here's also what I bring to the table outside of that realm um, as a team player for for a front office. Um, And, you know, those organizations, Lexington and now Portland, you know, gender was never a thing that was brought up in job interviews, which is rare, honestly. That's like one of the questions of, you know, how do you handle being a female? Um, And, it you know, it wasn't – that wasn't a question. That wasn't a thing for them, which – made me want to work for for them even more <laughs> right you <laughs> so didn't like, ask me an obvious question i like it yeah, yeah. <laughs> so i was like no i like you because you're not looking at gender you're just looking for the best person for the job yeah um so it and it definitely just has gotten better the players are seeing more females like i mean even the red sox hired bianca smith as a minor league coach shout um, to the red so they're sox gonna see, for that yeah no that's huge that's huge. yeah so you know i think they're seeing more females and typically male positions, but they're getting used to it. And I don't think it's a big deal for the players anymore either. No, um, it's, you know, it's on the up and ups We're we're getting there. No, I, I do believe we're, um, I believe we're getting there too. What, um, since COVID you hadn't been able to announce any games and we hadn't been able to get inside have luck. It's just been, it's been bad. Uh, summer. It's been, it's been a long summer. Now yeah. it's a long winter. 
Yeah. Oh, it's just tough. <clears throat> With that being said, I wanted to get your kind of opinion on this. What do you think kind of from a, you know, holistic view? What's the, what's the outlook for minor league baseball? Um, It's good. You know, I, I think that minor league baseball is incredibly unique in the way that our front offices across the country are made up of extremely creative minds Mm -hmm. that can pivot from baseball to other quote unquote (laughs) money-making events to keep their organizations afloat, even whenever there's not fans in the stands. Um, I think that, you know, obviously with everything else that's going on with minor league baseball, there's fewer teams, but you know, I think overall it's positive. Um, you know, 2021 is looking good to have baseball again. It'll be different, but we'll have it. Um, and I think that, you know, with Major League Baseball overseeing some more kind of different levels and, and things like that, I, I think we're going to be okay. <laughs> I do too. I think less fans mean more people tune into the broadcast mm-hmm. at the minor league level, which I think would <clears throat> makes minor league baseball even more unique because – Something you said makes sense. It's like a – I think of minor league baseball as a community, right? Like you said, each community Absolutely. has their bright minds where it's banana peel night, you know, or whatever. <laughs> so I think they'll be okay. I just kind of question and wonder from the financial standpoint because um, at the end of the day, that's kind of what's going to drive it. So I, I can see, though, I definitely think it'll be fine. So – all right, with that being said, we're going to get ready to take our last break. Then when we come back, we got a big question we got to dig through. All right, so get your thinking cap on. <laughs> we'll be right back. Bye. Welcome back. So we've been talking a lot of baseball tonight. I am joined by Emma T., who is the announcer for the Portland Sea Dogs. We're going to get right into it. This is our last big question. Um, My question to you, do you think we will hear and or see more women in the game of baseball? That's my first, that's the big question. And like I said, we'll branch off into, into discussion. Um, Yeah, I, I see our numbers, um, growing of women in at least minor league baseball i mean even in 2020 uh melanie newman joined the orioles broadcast team as play-by-play and so i think that it's it'll be a slow process um for example when i started uh in minor league baseball in 2018 there were two of us (laughs) uh lead voices uh in 2019 there were six and then in 2020 there was going to be i think five but one new one because melanie moved up to to baltimore so um i think it'll be slow for the next couple years and then exponentially get better um i think that people are more open-minded these days and they see we're evolving as a mankind hopefully exactly we're getting better we're getting better hopefully hopefully (laughs) (laughs) proud of yesterday but that's another podcast yeah that's a whole whole other podcast a whole ball of wax (laughs) (laughs) Uh, but yeah slowly but surely we're getting better um despite some missteps but uh you know i think i think we'll continue to see women 
um, branch out of just that kind of reporter mold that we've seen for right, decades. Right, definitely. And see us back in the booth. What do you think, not what do you think needs to happen, but what needs to continue to happen to to expedite it? Because, I, again, I think it's been far too long, and baseball is kind of one of the last sports getting going with welcoming everybody to the game. So what continue? What needs to continue? What's What are some maybe initiatives you'd like to see? Um, I think that we need to get more hands-on at the college level uh, for females. And, I mean, initiative-wise, we, we have a ground roots um, women, or it's actually a minority broadcasting um, group that we've kind of set up. And the majority of them aren't looking for play-by-play. They're sort of interested in it. Right. Um, but I think it's just because there's not a whole lot of people to look to to see that a female can fill right. that role. Oh, of course, right, right. And so I think that I think that our voices, uh, you know, kind of still need to be amplified to the, the women that are in these positions. So, you know, if, if a 17-year-old female who is, you know, playing softball is thinking about it, she's going through her Twitter feed and, and some, you know, Melanie pops up or something, she can maybe think like, oh, that could okay, be that me. is an opportunity. Yeah, yeah definitely. Yeah, you 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 have to see. That's in anything. You have to see somebody that looks or resembles you. You right? Like you, of course. Exactly. Yeah, you got to. So, but no, that makes total sense. Yeah, and I and I think you know collegiately, like personally at Mizzou, it was great. Day one, I could work in the radio station, and I did it for four years, calling play by play. Um, but a lot of colleges don't actually give the students that opportunity, which is crazy to me because. You know, first, right. you as a university, your brand gets on another platform. Mm-hmm. Second, one of those broadcasters could make it huge <laughs> exactly. and give your college, you know, huge attention for that. Um, for example, look at Mizzou and Syracuse and what they've done with their alums. Yeah, definitely. Um, so, so I think it starts at that level of giving them the opportunity to do something, um, but they need the support of professors or mentors to help them grow as a broadcaster and give them, you know, critiques and, and help them in that way as well. Man. Well, Emma, it's been a pleasure having you on the podcast. I feel bad because every time Mike was on the podcast, we did it in person. I, I came well, to Hadlock and we recorded from the press box, Ugh. like everywhere. Justin was on the podcast. It was a Hadlock, like everywhere. That was pre-COVID. Pre-COVID. Maybe the good old days. The good old days. <laughs> Maybe this summer we'll be fortunate enough to have the sun set on us and have lock and a 13th we inning. We got a Friday the 13th this summer? I'm sure we do. Oh, if we do, Hope that'd be point. you calling a walk-off or a dinger. A dinger, On yep. Friday the 13th in the 13th inning for Portland to win the chip why not why not <laughs> if it happens you gotta always say we we talked about that first oh right? yeah we, we spoke it. that into existence <laughs> so again thank you for joining us where can the people find you follow you what do you got going on uh twitter and instagram mostly same username emma teeds t-i-e-d-s um it's mostly pictures of my dog and my cat but it's cool. I'll talk about sports too. (laughs) 
<laughs> it's social media nevertheless um kind of what's the while we're getting ready to wrap up what's the kind of outlook for the sea dogs right now anything anything the listeners should be looking forward to any word you've heard um i mean we're still in operation i mean you know they can still swing by hadlock and and buy some some sea dog swag um but we're still planning for 2021 um, just, you know, eagerly awaiting our schedule and, and, um, and that sort of thing. They're still ironing out some details, but, um, we're getting ready for baseball. Nice. Nice. Yeah. Nice. So, well, that's going to do it for us today. We'll be back soon with another episode. Until then, listen to all of your favorite episodes on SoundCloud or Apple, iTunes, Stitcher, Podbean. That's just too much straight. I don't want to read that. <laughs> Or wherever you listen to your favorite show. You can find me at Black Bear Sports on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. Black Bear Sports is a production of Black Bear Entertainment. There's a website, blackbearsports.com, where you can find your favorite episodes and footnotes. Well, Emma, again, thanks for joining us. Anytime. And until then, we are out. So, bye. Spell it out, y'all probably can't read neither. <laughs> well, all of y'all need ether. I mean, lyrically, what y'all rap about? Can't figure that shit out. Let me stop the spoken word, get back to this rapping. I never thought this whack shit would actually happen. I ain't asking for no feedback, I'm passing you passion. Can't guard me, LeBron, son. Yeah, I'm actually captain. Hit your ass like Brian, son. I'm about that fucking action. My bad for fucking spazzing. And my bad for all the F-bombs Only time y'all safe is wearing Teflon Maybe I just aim it to Cabeza Hold up, let me cool out We'll let the strain from Jamaica Only time I'm getting level-headed When I know that we should dead it Can I go on any longer? I won't let it I cannot condone it And I know that y'all regret it They need to hear me say it So I fucking said it Bye-bye 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 Let's go.